Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hellbent for Leather, where we talk about everything leather. With your host, Apollo Hart. Today, I'll be talking with myself. I'll be discussing tradition, the good and the bad, and the ugly. So, when we think about tradition, what is what comes to mind? Family tradition, historic tradition. Well, we'll just get nerdy and I'll state the definition of tradition. If people don't know, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows what it is, but sometimes just looking things up to get a clear picture of what it is, it's a little easier for the brain to digest. So dictionary's definition is the transmission of customs or beliefs from generation to generation, passing on. So each generation has its own thing going on. They tell their stories and symbologies or languages and pass it to the younger generation. That happens within each culture and definitely leather culture as well. So that's what I'll be talking about briefly. And yeah, so what makes me an expert, huh? I'm, I just nerd out on things and I have a lot of, you know, little rabbit holes that I research here and there. And I like talking about the philosophy of, and deeper meanings of things. And so, you know, I don't have a degree. I didn't go to school and get a piece of paper for thousands of dollars. I don't know, because I didn't have the patience for it or time. I, being an artist is is a different kind of lifestyle than a, a scholar. I think I can be both. I'm just more of an entrepreneur about it. <laughs> so I skipped last month because I was super busy. I went to CLAW, and that is... CLAW stands for Cleveland... Leather Alliance weekend, and there's a lot of workshops and things, and um, some parties and get togethers and stuff like that. I also went to the Tom of Finland Art Fair, which was hosted by the Tom of Finland Foundation at Second Home in LA. It was really beautiful. I got to work for my tattoo boss, a previous tattoo master I apprenticed under, Suzanne Shiflet. Her oil paintings are 
at this point needed and historic in documenting queer perspective um, from a dyke's point of view. Uh, and you can see her work if you look her up. She's got an Instagram. She's also on the Tom of Finland uh, art fair website. You can Google any of this. Um, it will come up pretty easily. So yeah, I just got back from that. So <laughs> it was a, it was a exhausting but very rewarding couple weeks here. So back into the swing of things with my business and this here old podcast. If anybody's listening. All right, so tradition. One of the things that is amazing about the Tom of Finland Foundation is keeping traditional things alive in his, the history of how things began. Um, that's very important so that we can keep the foundation, like, groundwork. So we don't repeat mistakes or we have something to build on. We have, I mean, to me, that's what foundation literally is. Two meanings, you know, you have a foundation for, for building a house and you have a foundation where it's a group of people, like-minded people, This, in this case, artists and historians. There's other foundations, like in Chicago, there's the... Um, I don't want to get it wrong, but I know there's a leather archive in Chicago for preserving history. So I think perverting, preserving or perverting history, preserving history is important to, to understand how things began and, and honor our four parents, our, our, uh, parents of revolutionary concepts uh, to to honor these folks is very important, and so and and also the some good things about tradition because I'm a strong believer in, and I I always question my beliefs, but I'm still believing that there is good and bad in every single thing on this planet. There is a good side and there's a bad side to every thing. And that's an age-old concept going to the dawn of time, which I won't go into now, but it really helps me keep my head on my shoulders and look at the full picture and have reason, you know, and love and understanding when things seem hard or even when things seem good. It's like, what... What's the good and the bad? The good and the bad of tradition is the good is keeping history alive. And there are also some really amazing utilitarian fashion concepts that will never die. They'll always be changing. They have some beautiful structures. Like you don't want to reinvent the wheel 
on these beautiful fashion pieces. Other good things are to, again, like I had briefly said, like to learn from mistakes. And that's some kind of overlooked piece of tradition because when you skate into the bad side of tradition, it's keeping problematic concepts and broken forms alive and calling and, and giving them a pass because they're a tradition. Obviously, things like racism and sexism have been passed somehow under the noses of very smart individuals because they want to keep tradition alive. So it's very important to respect our elders, but also still question. You know, you can respect somebody and ask, ask questions and that is a very important part of tradition. And that's just what I think. That's my two cents there. <laughs> so let's look at some concepts of tradition when it's like involved in the leather scene. Things like International Mr. Leather competition. They have a very strict dress code if you want to win the competition. And those borders are being pushed. And it yeah, also took a while for a person of color to win the competition. And that's for many reasons one can assume the reasoning. I won't go into the details why, because I wasn't there. It's just all I know is it took a while for that to happen. And so things like garments, um, think of the leather jacket that I talk about a lot on this show, the motorcycle jacket invented for military purpose and now it is used in so many ways and you don't want to to mess with that to change and alter the the traditional design of it is great and all but keep but that the original look the traditional look is very it's perfect. It's, you know, that's why. <laughs> I mean, to some it might not be, but to me it's a great combination of style and function with every little detail. That's why it was called the perfecto, because it really is a perfect piece. Represented like a classic car, you can add modern embellishments to it and it can look great but 
the other way to do classic car remodeling is or refurbishing is to like keep everything how it was just make it again i don't know if you've ever gone to a classic car convention they're pretty fun it is kind of scary depending on what part of the world you're going to it i i personally just like looking at the the artistry that goes behind anything really and anything that humans are doing with their hands is a kind of artistry so that kind of artistry whereas like motorcycle maintenance mechanic stuff and classic car refurbishing i think is a art form just like fashion so other good things about tradition is so i want to talk about a little bit about the combination or intersection or whatever of tradition and fetish so the dictionary definition of fetish is a form of sexual desire which gratification is linked to a particular object or part of the body so there's a little bit of objectification kind of nestled in the word fetish it's best if it's consensual obviously anything just like <laughs> with anything in the world to fetishize a group of people or when it comes to someone's race or sex is usually not it's not great um it's kind of like the bad side of fetishizing i mean i'm an irish white person i can't speak for the other side of fetishization of a group of people i can speak to fetishizing fetishizing trans people because i'm a trans man i don't really like to identify as a man but that's the most easily digestible way of putting myself to folks that might not be coming from the queer community but i like to more identify as a an aware creature <laughs> I'm I'm an aware being. I uh, just happen to be in this body that was born one way and I am now another way. So, whatever. But I can definitely speak to people fetishizing trans people and And how this relates to tradition is these ideas are just being passed on in media or in some sort of zeitgeist of even porn or whatever is some sort of passing on of information from generation to generation, like a younger groups of people watching porn and they're like, this is how this is, I'm, this must be how it is and 
now I have to learn or unlearn these things if they're good or problematic. But fetishizing a trans person just because they're trans versus something that a trans person would want the other person to fetishize. For instance, if me being a trans person wanted was into someone worshipping my feet, that's a part of my body. If I wanted someone to worship any part of my body and I told them to or I they asked to or if they wanted to worship something I was wearing, even if it was... It would definitely be a negotiation process, but if somebody wanted, when I was still binding, if they wanted to fetishize that, that would be a, or binding my chest, that's something that trans trans guys do sometimes. If somebody wanted to worship that or fetishize that, they would need to talk to me about it. Um, if they didn't talk to me about it and they just did it, it could be offensive. I mean, communication solves a lot of problems. (laughs) I think we forget that often. Probably because we don't want to look like we don't know something, which is fine if you don't know. Just doesn't mean that you're lesser than or weak. Just it means that you're courageous enough to ask. Some people get punished for asking but it depends on the the intention behind your question if you're asking with the tone in your voice that's disrespectful or it's something that's easily easily looked up on google and you're asking this very broad impersonal question like to somebody that i think you understand if it's a question you could get answered online because it's broad, then then ask the internet. But if it's a personal question regarding somebody's, like you're wanting to be intimate and involved with them and you're interested in them or attracted to them, then you the, you word the question out of gener- actual interest and respect and even desire. So... Mutual desire, just like anything, mutual consent is very important to fetishizing things uh, if it's on a person. If you're just fetishizing a, a garment and it's off the person's body, whatever, do whatever you want to that garment, you know? <laughs> it's an inanimate object. It represents something. And if if it somehow resent if if somehow represents how a this is like a bad example like not a bad example but example of a horrible way to fetishize an an object is to be like well i'm fetishizing this high heel because it shows to me how weak a woman is and i get off on that it's that's no we you that is if if the person that took off the shoe and that was the scene that that person was aroused by them being lesser than you because they're your sub and you 
discussed that with them, then great. But if it's a random concept of how every single woman on the planet is and you're a cis man and every single cis woman or anything in that genre of person, anything <laughs> that would wear that shoe is should be s- literally subservient to you, that's a mental problem in my book. Like, that to me is not a fetish. That is something a fetish that could turn into a non-consensual behavior because you're disrespecting people in your mind you gotta start in the mind so i think fetish and tradition can turn into problematic behavior if you don't look at what's going on is this what I'm fetishizing a consensual act between me and the rest of the world? Like, is it, am I considering someone's feelings? If I'm actually getting off on someone literally being physically abused in real life, that is something to think about even if it is BDSM that's why I think um, working on the reasons why folks in the leather community and kink community I actually have more trust because they've thought about for the most part, most people have thought about why do I like these concepts? Why why would I be excited about seeing someone in pain? And to me, the real excitement is knowing that if that person in pain is actually wanting to give that pain and enjoying the pain and consenting to the pain. I think that that is a beautiful exchange versus someone seeing someone just randomly on the street or anywhere being like, okay, that person's in pain and somehow I was aroused and then not questioning it that to me is dangerous and needs to be um not feared and not pushed down or pushed away or pretend like it's not there it needs to be looked at and explored in in my opinion because like I've spoke about before with other folks on this program is if we are given the opportunity to explore something dangerous in a safe place then we can actually learn from it and get to know ourselves a little more and be a little bit more 
understanding to the rest of the world. At least that's uh, that's my opinion on that. But back to fetish. If we're passing down fetish traditionally, like fetishizing a a military garment or a garter belt, we need to look at the deepness behind that of is this a fetish fetish that is coming deep from deep inside me or is this a symbology that represents something else uh, like a military garment or a uniform a leather uniform can be seen as a a form of power and if we get excited about giving our power to somebody that looks powerful and hot and we're attracted to this power and we then want to give that over to someone it's still a controlled situation and that is a great way to explore one's psyche is to be like, I, I'm able to control this out-of-control concept that is actually deep embedded into our society and many societies of power being lorded over us in several ways by people wearing uniforms in so many different ways and one way to explore that is to use sexuality to kind of lighten the blow or to be like well why is this arousing to me ask those hard questions or why would a military outfit be a form of masculinity like why would it represent masculinity when if somebody who is feminine feminine presenting was wearing a masculine outfit what would that do would that be as equally as arousing would that be a fetish on its own so i think as i've discussed before there are deeper deeper things that just one word can embody when we're talking about fetish and tradition but like like i was mentioning the garter belt is a function of literally holding up a garter uh pantyhose or you know like it holds something up before we had elastic and rubber derived things <laughs> we needed a way to hold the silk pantyhose up and so it is a functional piece but now it is seen as a fetish item 
or i mean it's still used as a functional piece as well but it's lingerie or uh, you know if you look at the that's that's literally the history of it the invention of it sometimes i don't really care to for the when it's like history history like it was invented in this year by this man and blah 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 i mean it a lot of stories are fun that way like who really invented the bra was it a stolen concept and some man put his stamped name on it so that it would sell but it was actually invented by a woman all of that history it's there's a lot of (laughs) hardcore who invented what and who gets their name on the actual history book and there's a lot of whitewashing and man washing going on when it comes to when people like who invent who actually invented what so i don't really go into that i just go into like why was it invented and i think it would be fun to maybe do a a history project and all of the items that were actually stolen from the original designers but that could get really passionate for me because that happens all the time to designers is like their ideas are stolen you know on purpose or not on purpose but i won't go into that now but that's why those things were designed like 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 i was saying before the military outfits they definitely military uniforms there's a lot of function to why the pants are cut a certain way or for instance breeches like they need to be tucked into the boots so that the for very specific reasons there needs to be like um bigger thighs on the outside so your knee can bend when you're on a horse or motorcycle and it has to bend in certain areas so that you don't get chafing on your inner thigh when you're riding a horse like riding breeches were invented further there's definitely specific cut like fashion cut lines to why there's a saddle or that sewn in seat to the backside of breeches that used to be because literally the backside would get blown out because of all the sitting and movement on the horse or the motorcycle that would happen and now it's just for looks but you can still take that out and replace it with another panel of leather or canvas or whatever um even down to like military hats like or the mirror the mirror cap or the certain you know they're called many things like the sir cap or the mirror cap or you know the the traditional high uh officer cap it it was designed to wick water in a certain way so it wouldn't fall into the eyes of the person wearing the hat or it would the water would fall off the person's head instead of into their you know it, it, it there's a design there's a reason for the shape um 
also needed to command some sort of higher stature, so it's higher in the front, and to display whatever sort of medals that they needed to display on the front. And now it's just a standard when it comes to International Mr. Leather or other competitions. That's just the cap that you wear if you're in a certain role, like daddy or sir. And thankfully these days, tradition is being pushed where we have femme daddies who are like, I am femme, but I'm going to wear this hat. Like, it's happened for a while, but it's now being more accepted as not so gender-bendy. It's like, for instance, the, like a traditional dominatrix style is has been kind of floated into mainstream fashion because of celebrities and such. I see this as a good thing and bad thing, just like everything. Um, I speak more, a little bit more about this on a a film documentary that's coming out pretty soon, and it will touch on the other place that I work, which is Mr. S. Leather, and the tradition that goes behind keeping there. I I have very, I have loads of respect for the company I work for, Mr. S. Leather, because of the history that they keep in their patterning. Those are historic pieces that people get to wear. And I truly honor and respect that. And I speak about that on this documentary. It will be released in f- at f- Frameline, and I'll go into more when, and I will also post a little teaser of the documentary on my social medias later on, and when it's finally released, I'll give all the information on where you could see it on this podcast. But yeah, back to what I was saying of like the tradition of gender for instance is now it is problematic whereas before it served a purpose it's kind of wishy-washy how what that purpose was at this point um everybody needs roles in certain areas but if you're forced into a role that's non-consensual and you don't want that role and you're just doing it as obligation and there's no passion behind it or you're forced out of you're forced through subjugation or f- literal brutal force like abuse and violence then obviously that's messed up <laughs> and i'm glad those things have been being being questioned since like the 60s or maybe probably way before that and it's just people are just you know killed (laughs) but i won't get into that as that could be triggering for some but it's still happening but thankfully it's slowly but surely being accepted that gender is kind of unnecessary unless you're choosing it if you're like "Ah, this is my gender yay 
or I don't have a gender. I don't want any of the choices that you're giving me. Or I'm creating my own gender. Like, we're in a time when there are more things than just one or the other. There's a gray area. That's what... Or not a gray area. There's like a rainbow spectrum of color in between the good and the bad. And that's what I'm trying to go into today about tradition. Is like, yes, there's good and bad. There's all this stuff sandwiched in between. And it's helpful and fun and revolutionary to look at it. And gender is one of those traditions, even in the leather community, that needs to be pushed. And it's really hard for some to get out of that because there's still some good things that these traditions are doing for instance, all the, like, protocols and, like I had mentioned before, like, fetishes, fetishization of things, like, there's, there's whole, all, like, classes and, and workshops, like I had mentioned, Claw has all these workshops with all of these amazing people that have been, it's basically, like, a school for folks that want to learn all the nuances and details and little rabbit holes of BDSM and kink and role play and all that. Um, a lot of these events, these leather events, have elders and people uh, that are of all ages giving workshops on how to flog, how to serve how to be a good top, how to be a good bottom, how to be, re what does respect and consent actually mean? Like, it's really incredible. And even events like International Mr. Leather and International Ms. Leather, I hope that in the future they combine. Like, that's my dream is that they combine and there's no gender separation. It's just you're a person and you can be representing all these things. There doesn't need to be a Ms. or a Mr. It can be you are this. The, you are international person of leather. Like, hopefully <laughs> that's where we're going. I know so, that might hurt some people's feelings. And again, that's because, like, tradition. Like, we want to keep tradition alive. You don't want to combine genders what would that do for all of these looks these uh concepts these symbols it would it would be chaos uh, well you just creatively invent other categories which will make things way more exciting <laughs> so i don't know it's uh something to think about i don't think i have the answers for everything maybe i'm wrong on this but even if there was a whole separate thing of, like, international person of leather, I'm sure there is now, actually. There's, uh, I'll have to get the information and post it somewhere because I think that does already exist, but it's just small and not getting a lot of media because just, like, how a lot of things start when it comes to gender stuff is it's 
hard to get the money to promote it and all that stuff. Um, if anybody listening is putting those things on and wants a patch for it, I will design you that. <laughs> or if there's already one involved, I will help with that. Just hit me up. I'm on the internet and the social medias. You can DM me. Well, I think I've kind of touched on a lot of different ideas and details of tradition in when it comes to leather. There could be like other things like traditional ways of whipping or flogging, but those always come down to technique and style and you know, if you consider things like the actual tools of BDSM and kink and impact play and torture and all that, if you see those as a kind of art form, which I consider them an art form. How to throw a whip or crack a whip, you can be shown by your master or teacher, and then you get to put your own flair on it. Just like any art form, you can get a style. I was taught how to sew by my grandmother when I was 10, or my mom when I was 10, and I let let it go because that, in my little mind, that's not what a, a little boy did, and I am trans, so <laughs> I let that go for a while, which is sad because of traditional gender roles that were passed down to me. I thought that boys don't sew, so I did not practice sewing until I was in my late 20s, or actually early 20s, I started hand sewing leather, which was hard, (laughs) but that's just a side note to what I was saying about like the tools of leather sewing machine being you know i can sew leather or a whip or a flogger someone can show you how to do those things and they can be showing you in a specific way like well this is your gender so you do this or i think hopefully you know what i'm trying to get at here is that tradition the good of tradition is here's the observational techniques behind this tool and then there are all of the ideas and concepts and symbology that go behind that tool of who's allowed to wield it who's socially accepted to be able to do this thing and why and is that is there any literal meaning behind that or is it completely stupid like how women in 
wartime, you were not allowed to have a job and <laughs> because you needed to be a good wife or whatever. And then all of a sudden there's nobody operating these machines. So in order to be a good wife, you had to, you needed now to learn these machines. That's all a social construct. It's media. It's somebody telling you what is now acceptable uh, of this gender for whatever reason. And that's where we get like Rosie the Riveter and, you know, maybe that backfired on the propaganda machine of like, oh no, we empowered women. Well, that needed to happen. And that's what they were trying to avoid. But it needed to happen because war <laughs> bit them in the ass, you know? <laughs> don't have wars then if you don't want to. <laughs> All right, that's a bad, bad joke. But um, as I was saying, the tools involved in any sort of practice and fetishizing certain objects also have gender attack attached to them like the high heel or lingerie would you you know would cis men be fetishizing a lacy garment if it was from another man like yes probably maybe no who knows i it's it's once you start questioning one part of gender then the whole sweater unravels, and that's what I think is happening right now, and that's why people don't want to question it, because you have everything in a nice, pretty little box, and when you start being like, well, that box is falling apart, and but I want it to stay in that box, it's not ever meant for the box anyway. You gotta be get creative and be like, what do I actually like? That's hard. It's hard to be, you know, knowing oneself is a journey and it's work, but it's a beautiful work. It's a beautiful journey. It can be dangerous. It can be exhausting. It can be beautiful. It's life. Questioning the tradition of gender and the tools that we use in BDSM is to me a part of having a very fulfilling and confident life. I feel confident about who I am right now because I've worked out a lot of the things that I had questions about when I was in my 20s and just pushed inside and to give myself permission to explore these things has been empowering and to do it in a safe way is you know you nerd out by yourself with some books in your room and then you actually literally explore it physically you gotta do the journey you can't just plan out your trip for years and years and not actually go on the trip <laughs> i mean I think everybody knows that, but I should be one to talk. I I should really go on some, <laughs> go on some trips. 
I haven't gone outside the U.S. You know, it's a class thing, uh, money issues, but I could make it work. I think it's important to explore physical outside this U.S. But I have the excuse of COVID, but not before COVID. (laughs) I could have done all that before. But isn't that what this whole thing... I'm speaking of COVID. This whole pandemic has taught us to really... What do we really want in life? Let's do it. Let's let's do our best to... It's almost like I'm... I'm treating it like we had a mass, uh, for lack of a better term, near-death experience of like, we all came close to being like, are we dying? Is this dying? Are we all going to die? Is the world going to die? And I mean, we're all kind of always on the precipice of that with global warming and shit. But again, I uh, look at the silver lining as being like, yes, the good and the bad is we can learn that we need to take responsibility for those these little changes that we can do here and there versus like getting overwhelmed with how everything's fucked up (laughs) like we can do little things here and there if every single person did something little thing here and there i think the gradual change towards respect of the planet will happen and it's the same thing with tradition if we just push the the borders where things are problematic of within tradition oh that's actually racist oh this tradition is actually sexist just looking at it and being okay with that and not and not having it be an attack to our community and i think that that's where a lot of people get scared is if they if they say well if i question my elders or if I question this tradition in my culture, I'm going to be, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be a horrible time for me. <laughs> I'm going to be, it's going to be seen as total disrespect. I'm going to be an outsider. I'm going to, you know, this tradition is what's keeping me involved in my group of people so that I can feel safe. So I understand that it's not for everyone. I I I understand that. I also think that if uh, I stand by with doing respectful research and questioning to things that seem hurtful to others or yourself. If it's a tradition to just take someone's oppression over you and you don't want it, that's not a good tradition. You're being hurt. You're, it's hurtful to you. And this is in so many, so many <laughs> aspects of everything of people not feeling safe to question those things. And I'm, as whatever little authority I have, I give everyone permission to just question it as just a little miniature empowerment bubble to even if it's something where you feel completely safe in your tradition in your history in your group in your tribe in your family in your 
nation or whatever, if there's something that is hurting you or something that is hurting other people in a deep physical or psychological way, oppressing them, keeping them from freedom and love, then think, just the first step is just thinking about it and giving it like, oh, okay, I'm not just going to go along with this or smile and look the other way or just push that feeling, that intuition, whatever it is, pushing it down. That's keeping something harmful alive. Even if it's small, like people, a coined term or a terminology in certain groups is uh, microaggressions where I'm like, if it's aggressive and horrible, it's not micro, but I understand why they're using that. So it's just not, not all up in someone's face, but microaggressions can turn into major aggressions and violence. So if you stop something in the beginning when you're feeling kind of like your intuition is saying this doesn't seem good or right or maybe I'll think about it at least and then think about how to word this so that I'm going to become be safe in presenting a question and if you need to get a group of people to help you word it if you don't want to be the one to present it to whoever you need to present it to who is doing traditional harmful things or whatever then get a mediator in nonviolent communication the the group that Marshall Rosenberg and his colleagues started called nonviolent communication can be a great way to get a mediator involved uh, a mediator involved um to help lighten the blow of questioning a tradition whatever you need to do to keep yourself safe that's and i'm again you can dm me if you need more examples or tools to do these things i am open to do that tradition within leather meaning like leather families that's a common term used in the leather community where tradition can be passed down which is very helpful when it comes to those specific families just like any tribe or group of people the ways in which the family or in the head of leather the leather household wants things done those kind of traditions are important to the that group that leather family like their leather family meaning like there's maybe for instance daddy and then the daddy has a group of subs but there's uh the head sub or maybe even a butler type that can direct um or maybe a person in training um a sir in training similar to maybe how the structure of military you know hierarchical systems go that is attractive and people fetishize that 
structure if their rest of their life feels maybe uncontrolled or chaotic, like they don't have control over their personal life that can be really excited and even aroused by having some sort of control over their leather life, their leather family. Uh, it could be seen as a chosen family as well, where you get love and acceptance from people who feel like uh, like more along the lines of who you are and your soul. Um, that's getting super deep, like, oh, this is my soul family, like, you know, that, that happens a lot when you get really intimate and deal with desires and sexuality and pains and pleasures and do it in a group. Um, it's very bonding and you get to learn a lot about the person so it could feel like a family. That's where traditions can be passed on. But if those traditions um, are passed on to a different group of people, they could want something completely different. Like somebody who wants protocol in their family versus somebody who wants more fluidity and some structure but not a hierarchical structure in their leather family. That's a whole another thing. Maybe you wouldn't want that tradition hierarchy passed into that other group because that's not what they want so it seems basic but for again it isn't basic it's like complex but not complex all at the same time that's why communicating about traditions is very important and and asking why we do this is this something we all want because this is something that is exciting to all of us or are we just going along with it because we don't want to be punished or in leather communities, it's like we do want to be punished, but we get to have control over how we want to be punished. And it's punishment with excitement attached to it to work out some fun scene or to work out some process psychologically. It You know, it's complex, but then not complex. This has been another segment of Hellbent for Leather. I hope everyone has enjoyed this 45 minutes of me talking. Uh, if you got this far and you can handle my voice, props to you. And I'll next episode be hopefully talking with another person so it might be a little bit more entertaining <laughs> all right have a good one this has been hellbent for leather <laughs>